This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Today we're going to do an update on uh, water treatment uh, in the backcountry. Uh, we're going to cover most of the topics uh, that you would normally get uh, in a regular lecture, but hit the highlights of some of the changes that have uh, uh, happened. I think one of the important things to know about water treatment, it's extremely essential that we have uh, uh, clean water and uh, safe water to drink wherever we are. When you go in the backcountry, uh, if you're going to be in there multi-days, you can't take all the water with you, so you have to treat it. A couple of take-home messages is that uh, when you treat water, the main function is to eliminate pathogens that would cause symptoms in humans. You don't have to um, uh, completely sterilize water uh, in order to do this. You really just need to get rid of the pathogens. But on top of having safe water to drink, it's always nice to have a water that tastes good. So there are methods that you can use to uh, have water uh, taste better. One of the take-home messages early on in this podcast is to know that uh, you should never rely on a single method that we're going to talk about. You should always rely on at least two methods to make sure that your water is safe. There's not one method that is completely safe uh, in, in getting rid of uh, the uh, pathogens that will hurt humans. You have to know some definitions because the uh, the uh, common vernacular that store people use and uh, your friends are going to use is going to be inaccurate. There are very distinct and precise words that you need to know. The first one is purify, and that is to remove taste, odor, and smell. And but the word purify is the one that people use commonly. But purify really is just to make water taste good. Disinfect is to remove and destroy pathogens that are harmful to humans. Sterilize is to destroy all life forms. Now, we don't need to sterilize water. We just need to remove the pathogens. So we need to disinfect. So the big words are purify, remove taste, disinfect, remove pathogens, sterilize uh, to remove all life forms. You're going to hear the word filtration. The word filtration is a specific way to treat water, and it is just passing water through a membrane. Another thing that you're going to hear when you go to the store is the word effectiveness. This is what store users and manufacturers will use to say how effective a filter is. They'll say it's 99.99% effective. They won't use the word sterilization or disinfect because it is an, a very difficult term to come to. They use the word effective, and it is a very vague term. Uh, the, one of the problems with saying effective is that, it, that there's still going to be pathogens in the water, and some of those pathogens are going to, and even the ones that they get rid of, will repair themselves and come back to life, such as in uh, ultraviolet radiation. So effectiveness is really a term that uh, is, is an advertising term. What we want to do is disinfect the water and purify it, if at all possible. Another important concept to know is that there is a big difference uh, between uh, being infected and uh, showing signs of illness. Um, so people can get an, uh, an, uh, a bacteria or a virus or a parasite in them and not even know that they're sick. In fact, most people who drink Giardia, for example, will not show any sign of illness but will pass the cyst on in their stool. 
when you get rid of uh, pathogens from water to drink, we get rid of uh, bacteria, viruses, and protozoa. And you could even put parasites. It's different than protozoa if you're talking about worms. Diarrhea is the most common problem with all of uh, treating, uh, 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 treating water ineffectively in the back country. Diarrhea is an inconvenience at home, but it's a very huge problem in the back country. Well, let's go through the steps of uh, getting clean water. The very first step, by far, is to find the best water. If you can take water with you, that's better. But if you run out of water, you can't take water. And then what you need to do is find the best water that you possibly can. And remember that uh, ultraviolet radiation from the sun will kill predatory bacteria, and in some cases, viruses as well. So if you get uh, through a flowing stream that is exposed to the sun, then that is safer water than, say, if you go to a slow-flowing uh, river and a pond where bacteria, parasites will thrive. Um, if you're forced to drink from uh, a source that isn't running, be aware also that blue-green algae can produce toxins that can make you sick. So even though we can't remove those toxins, if you have blue-green algae growing in uh, this sort of slow, tepid water, that can be a problem also. Um, Another goal that you should have, and this is a very important one that is often overlooked, is that you should try to get water that is close to the source. Usually this means finding a water course that is draining a large snowbank or coming right out of some rocks. Because uh, if you go to those, the, the, the source, you can uh, find it by getting the water that is colder. Uh, the, the colder the water means it's coming right back from the source, which is usually snow or um, water that's been underground. So look for fast-moving water, cold water, and, and snow, uh, water that is coming from snow or from its source, and, and you'll be uh, better off. And if you get water now that has particulates in it, dirt, uh, grime, uh, could even have small twigs and leaves and sediment, you need to pre-treat the water. Pre-treating the water means getting rid of those particles, and that can be done by using a screening technique, uh, then followed by uh, standing, and then uh, you can use flocculation. Screening is pouring your water through a t-shirt, a filter, uh, anything that you might have and things that you will take with you. Uh, this will get rid of the very largest particles, but it won't get rid of the medium or smaller size particles. So that's why you need to let it stand. If you can let water that is muddy stand overnight, if it's very turbid, even uh, those things will filter out in the morning, and then you can uh, uh, then use other methods to clean it. If you don't have time to wait, you can use what's called flocculation. And this is what by putting a specific um, uh, chemical into the water that will cause aggregation of the particulates. The actu- it a- the, this chemical will actually uh, put an electronic charge on these particles and they'll, they'll come together and then they'll sediment out. The easiest and probably the safest and best one to use is alum, which is a spice that is used in canning and pickling. Um, I won't go through the directions here, but you, you stir it in a liquid first and make up the alum liquid and then you pour that liquid into the sediment and stir it. And over a period of minutes to an hour, uh, most of the sediment will come out. So it makes it much more, uh, uh, sedi- the sediment is much more quickly than letting it sand overnight. So look for flocculation and don't hesitate to lose, uh, use alum. Uh, and you can actually use the white ashes from fires uh, that, uh, that, that also has um, minerals that can do this. Well, the actual treatment now, after you find a good source of water and now you have 
uh, pre-treated the water, if you need to pre-treat it, is the, the actual treating of water. Boiling kills all human pathogens. It is the sort of the gold standard. Um, and uh, the, there are two issues with this. And the first one is uh, that as you go to altitude, boiling occurs at a lower temperature. So there are a lot of guidelines that, that tell you how long you should boil. So if you don't have a thermometer and know the temperature, just uh, as you go to altitude, just boil it a little longer. In reality, all you need to do most anywhere on Earth is just let the water come to a boil, and that will kill all pathogens on the planet, even if the boiling is, is much less uh, hot and the temperature is much less than you are used to. So uh, uh, you're safe even though the temperature is going to be less. Some pathogens need to be boiled longer at lower temperatures. And there are charts and things that you can look up and, and, and uh, make sure that you're boiling it longer just to be uh, safe. The CDC actually recommends boiling at least three minutes if someone is located 2,000 meters or 6,000 feet uh, up into the air. And with that, uh, anything above that, you're safe in uh, boiling. Uh, another issue um, uh, with boiling is um, that it's it, it, the stuff that you have to take to boil is usually heavy. You have to take gas, or you have to take uh, uh, boiling elements and containers. So uh, that, that as you're going to altitude, that may be a problem for on a backpacking trip. The other disadvantage at when you're all done is that the water is hot, uh, and you can't drink hot water. And if you're in a desert climate or in a climate that is 90 degrees or 37 degrees centigrade, then it's not going to go lower than that. And uh, so it is not satisfying, uh, uh, even after you let it cool. It is, it's safe to drink, certainly. It may not taste great, but it's hot. So even boiling uh, as sort of the gold standard is not the best way necessarily uh, to treat. Filtering is the most common method that people do. They all run to the outdoor store and they buy filters. Filters are very effective at getting rid of bacteria, protozoa, worms, cysts, eggs, and uh, they are not good against viruses, despite the effectiveness and that term again that the manufacturers are going to use. Uh, viruses uh, will will uh, remain. Now, viruses can st uh, stick to other particles and they'll clump together, which allows them to be removed by filtration. But if they're just a single uh, 0.1 micron virus, they're not going to be eradicated by filters. If your water is pure, you go to the source, it's cold, and you're sure that animals or humans aren't going to the bathroom in it, then filtering is probably going to be safe. Now, you're going to say that, well, some filters have uh, uh, impregnated into their uh, filters iodine. It, it doesn't have a long, long enough contact time, so you cannot allow for that. So filters are extremely effective uh, for getting rid of everything but viruses. It will get rid of a lot of viruses, but a filter is not alone, particularly if the water may have poop in it. Um, the other thing that happens with filters is that they clog up. And if you don't pre-treat the water and get rid of the, the sediment, it's going to be a problem. One way you do that, of course, is, uh, is uh, pre-treating the water. And the other thing that you can do is uh, buy these new filters that actually backwash. They're a little bit more expensive but they'll get rid of uh, the, the sediment that is clogging up uh, the filter. So you need to watch for those, and uh, they're a little bit pricey. Um, so getting recent rainwater or uh, using water from ice melt that's in your cooler uh, filtering might be uh, well enough. 
you can always add now a, a chemicals or, or halogenation to it. Halogens, which basically mean iodine and chlorine, are effective. But their effectiveness against things like protozoa and worms and their eggs is uh, varies greatly. And you can't rely on it for that. They're, they're generally good against viruses, uh, but they're not very good against Giardia. So you, using halogens is becomes a function of time and water temperature. If the water temperature is warmer, then the contact time and the concentration of the halogen can be less. If you're in really cold water, then you have to increase the concentration and the, and the contact time against things such as the cysts and the worms uh, that, that you might be uh, subjecting yourself to. Uh, another problem with uh, halogens, chlorine and iodine, is a very unpleasant taste. This can be remedied by using, uh, treating it in warmer water where you don't have to use as much of the chlorine or iodine, or you can use some ascorbic acid, vitamin C, which has been shown to neutralize the taste, uh, matching that of kind of like distilled water. And you can also add, add flavored drink mixes to it. Probably the biggest problem with iodine is the uh, problem with the uh, thyroid gland. And if you drink too much iodine, then you're going to be, become toxic uh, to the um, uh, thyroid. So you have to follow the manufacturer's guidelines very, very closely. And while they're not firm guidelines, uh, you have to be careful. So generally speaking, if you use iodine and you follow the ma manufacturer's guidelines, you're going to be safe. Uh, but if you can use a lower concentration of iodine to uh, uh, using in warmer water, then you're going to be uh, better off. Uh, there has never been a link between the intake of iodine and cancer, and there are no known allergies to it, so you don't need to worry uh, about that. And iodine does not show mental function, and a lot of people will say that. So kind of in summary, the, th the three famous methods, bacteria is good, uh, I mean, uh, bacteria is um, neutralized by heat, filtration, and chemicals, very good with chemicals. Viruses, heat is good, filtration is not, and chemicals are good. Protozoa and cysts are, uh, and worms are very effective against, with, uh, if you use a filter and heat, but chemicals aren't uh, uh, that good against them at all. Lately, a new method has come out, and this is uh, using uh, ultraviolet uh, radiation. Ultraviolet radiation is a natural way, and it's become very popular. There's a lot of misnomers with this, though, and that you should understand. Ultraviolet um, is, uh, is in the ultraviolet spectrum. It's electromagnetic radiation. It's right next to blue and ultraviolet uh, areas of the visible spectrum, but it's not as powerful as x-rays. We usually divide it to UVA, UVB, and UVC, and it's, remember, the UVB that causes sunburns uh, and the UVAs uh, that cause um, uh, uh, cancers. So uh, using uh, an ultraviolet source is, a, is very effective, and uh, um, it acts on the DNA. It actually acts on the thymine base, which is one of the four bases of the nucleotides in DNA. What it does is it prevents these things from reproducing. It doesn't kill them. So if you're going to drink water treated with ultraviolet, you're going to drink live bacteria and viruses, but they can't reproduce. And as a consequence, they, you're, you're safe. Um, recent studies have shown that uh, using ultraviolet uh, radiation uh, is very effective uh, against cysts such as Giardia, Cryptosporidium, and bacteria, but it is not as effective against viruses as we had once thought. So um, be careful, again, for viruses and use another method like a halogen uh, uh, to, to uh, treat your water. Uh, the other thing with uh, 
uh, ultraviolet is that you have to have a low turbidity. It has to be clear water. So you're going to have to pretreat your water because dissolved organic matter, uh, such as uh, um, organic solutes, iron, sulfites, nitrites, and suspended things, will shield bacteria and viruses from the ultraviolet radiation. So you really need to pretreat it. Another big problem with ultraviolet is since you don't kill these pathogens, they can be uh, reactivated, again, oddly enough, by ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light will kill DNA by uh, looking on the thi- working on the thymine base, but in time it'll actually uh, uh, cause photoreactivation, repair the DNA. So after you use uh, an ultraviolet source on your water, you have to put it in a dark bottle, uh, or, or a completely dark opaque bottle, or just a dark brown bottle. Otherwise, the ultraviolet will actually reactivate it after a period of hours, maybe a day in the sun. So that becomes very important. So the other problem with ultraviolet, it doesn't provide residual treatment. If you put iodine or chlorine in your water, they'll stick around for a long time and continue to kill the pathogens that are in the water. Uh, Ultraviolet radiation works for the 45 seconds or so that you're stirring the water and then it stops. So if it doesn't get all the pathogens, then it's a problem. Uh, it also has other drawbacks. You need extra batteries, and the lights are very fragile in case they're dropped. So again, this points to the underlying theme of this uh, podcast is that you need to always use at least two methods in treating water. And if you can use three, you're even better. And that comes after finding a clean source and pre-treatment. So, uh, not one, sort, not one method is going to be effective. There are some newer ones in, uh, that you should know about. Chlorine dioxide has been shown to have great promising results against Giardia and Cryptosporidium. Cryptosporidium has really been the bane of backcountry water. Although it's not found everywhere, it is found. And Giardia lamblia has been a hard one to treat. But Cryptosporidium uh, is extremely resistant to chlorine disinfection. Uh, chlorine dioxide is not the same thing as chlorine. Chlorine dioxide dioxide releases a variety of uh, reactive forms of oxygen similar to ozone that neutralizes the pathogens. So if you read that uh, uh, cryptosporidium isn't uh, responsive to chlorine and then you buy chlorine dioxide, you'll say we're not going to get cryptosporidium. But remember that it works in a very similar way as uh, uh, ozone. So it uses the reactive form of oxygen to treat that. uh, chlorine dioxide is highly water-soluble, even in cold water, which is not true of the other halogens. And it doesn't provide the same taste. Uh, chlorine dioxide has been used for uh, over 70 years, so that's another very good option. Uh, if you get the two, uh, the, li- the two liquid forms and mix it, you can be drinking water in 15 or 20 minutes. The other one is the MSR Myox, uh, which uh, requires no pumping, it requires no cleaning, and does not have the potential to clog uh, a filter. Uh, it's big. Uh, it uh, big problem is that it takes time to use. Um, uh, unlike ultraviolet, uh, myox treatment is unaffected by the cloudiness of water, but it does not remove those particles. Um, it's a stepwise process. Um, it uses salt and water in their respective chambers uh, to uh, kill the water. It's sort of like an electrolysis, uh, and it's it's quite effective. Um, most viruses and bacteria are killed within 15 minutes or so using Vioxx. If there's a complaint with it, it's um, that it that it tastes bad, bad. So the last thing we'll do about treating water then is uh, purifying water so you can 
uh, taste it. Tannins and humics are natural organic matter which leach into the wilderness all the time. Plants fall in and, and happen. They stain. They like a tea color. They're not ha- harmful in small quantities, but they do impart odors and a bitter taste to the water. Um, sediments are in the water, and th- that can add taste and add problems. Uh, and there's also salts and other deposits that come into water. And uh, uh, recreators get to the uh, coastal and desert regions, and you're going to get all things in your water. So one thing you can do is get an activated carbon filter. Uh, and most a lot of filters already come with that, and those will do a decent job of getting rid of those uh, tastes. They won't help uh, w- uh, you know, with the uh, treatment of the water as far as getting rid of pathogens, but they will make the water uh, much uh, better tasting. One last comment, and that is beware of ice. Uh, a lot of studies have been shown that mold and bacteria in ice, machine, my ice machines is a much larger problem than anyone had previously thought. And if you go to a place where uh, they don't clean them out and use them, the freezers will grow mold and bacteria. So if you're at a hotel or you're getting ready for your trip and you want to put ice in your water and you get ice out of the containers, um, then you're going to get the bacteria in there. And another problem is if you don't have a clean thing to pick up the ice. For example, you send a friend in or a family member to get ice for a a container that you're going to let them later drink if they use their hands. Now they've got bacteria and viruses on it. So you've got to be really careful about that also. And around the world, uh, uh, hotel drinking water, if you get it out of the tap, is not effective. Uh, I mean, it's not safe. So you need to be careful of uh, of that one as uh, as well as possible. Uh, It turns out, in 2012, a 15-year-old boy in Florida died from, uh, from consuming contaminated ice. Uh, and it, it, the, they traced the death back to uh, hand-washing. And um, that's a story which is a sad one, but it's a lesson to, uh, to be learned. Remember to always use two sources. If three, it's better. Make sure you get a good cold source of water near to the source, flowing if possible. Um, uh, after you choose in your uh, two or three methods, know that there are some new methods out there. Not one method is good, and uh, all methods have a certain problem. And you can treat with carbon uh, filters and uh, to be aware of ice. Well, this ends the uh, podcast. And again, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>